Welcome to The Mountain Gardener with your host, Ken Lane. Gardening can be challenging, but with Ken's tips, tricks, and local advice, you'll reap huge rewards. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. And welcome to this week's edition of The Mountain Gardener, your host, Ken Lane. Here every week talking about the landscapes of northern Arizona. And we are in the full peak of spring. Everything's leafing out. I I was driving into the show today at the Garden Center and, and uh, overlooking the city of Prescott. And so over a hill and you could just see all the trees have leafed out. You can hardly see any rocks anymore. It's just this nice, beautiful green bowl uh, called Prescott, Arizona. Uh, Prescott Valley, the, the the entrance going in and out of town, they do just a fabulous job of those medians driving in and out. Oh, full bloom, full leafed out, just looking so good. The mountains of Arizona, they've woken up. And so the spring season is, is here. If you have plants at this point that have not leafed out yet, that are brown, that are still twiggy, you're getting close to calling it going, okay. It's not going to wake up, or it's not worthy enough, or it got damaged over winter. We call that winter kill or winter burn. And if a plant last winter, we're talking last December, January, February, uh, it had a cold cycle. And if a plant is dry when it's really cold, the cold will kill it. If a plant is moist and it's really cold, it stays alive and vibrant. And so the moisture is what what keeps the antifreeze flowing up and down the structure of that plant. And if it gets dry over the winter, if you turn that irrigation off last October, November, and you didn't water until you just turned the system on, likelihood is, because this is all drought-related, likelihood is you had some death happen in your landscape over the winter. And that's the reason why the plant got dry And it was cold, and it killed it off. And so the plants hibernate underground many times, but if that ground is really dry and and the the root structure can't keep moisture going, keeping it vibrant and alive, you'll get a permafrost, you'll get a, a frost line that can kill off that particular plant or that shrub or that tree, whatever it is. We're really seeing that the evergreens took it in the chin. Oh, they just really got beat up. If you did not water over the last you know, six, seven, eight months, those plants really got hurt. And so the tops are dying out of some plants. Uh, the, 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 some of the, the fruit trees didn't come out of it because they didn't have enough moisture. So we're just seeing different things. I would say if that tree or shrub, a deciduous plant, those are plants that lose their leaves in the fall. Typically those are your fall colored trees. They're deciduous. If they if they don't leaf out by the end of this month, if you give them two weeks, they're not going to. And I hate to tell you that, but they just died on you over the winter. And that is the reason why. Now, it could also be you get into some weird stuff. The The moisture, the the drought forces compression of problems around certain plants. So maybe you were watering your plants and grubs this white C-shaped kind of worm, cutworms, things that live kind of in the ground or under the bark, bark beetle, uh, ips head, uh, ips beetle, flathead borers. These are things that they're, they're attracted to your plants because it's dry out there and they're looking for moisture and they're looking for moist plants. And so they'll start to attack 
the root structure, let's say, of grubs will start eating the roots on your plants because you're hydrating. It's moisture. You had irrigation going, but you didn't see the damage from the insects. So you really want to protect, look after, nurture your plants. Now, until we get moisture where it just hydrates the rest of the forest, hydrates the rest of the landscape, hydrates everything, and that's going to take a natural event from Mother Nature giving us monsoon rains. Really, that's not going to happen for a couple months. You know, at least another month away before the monsoon rains happen, the end of June, first part of July. That's when they typically you'll see that humidity go up. Well, that's six weeks away minimum. So protect your plants. Watch after. Be very aggressive if you see insects, disease, problems. Because what happens is they start to compress down. They, they start to be, there's less of them. Less, less plants for those things to eat, to live off of. And so they, they start to compress on the things that are alive. That goes the same way. The poor deer and rabbits, oh, javelina, they are absolutely desperate. The, the things they normally like to eat, they just aren't up because of the drought. They, they're, they're, so they're being compressed into neighborhoods, into backyards, into your gardens, and they're eating things they would never dream of liking. But they're starving and they're they're desperate. And so they're eating on things that I've never heard of them eating before. So unless you got them fenced out, you really got to protect things because they're roaming through and eating things they normally don't eat. And so just watch that. But that's what's I, what I'm giving you now is permission to call it going, okay, it's dead. It's not coming back. Time to replace it. And so I'm I'm hearing seven, eight, 10-year-old plants, 20-year-old spruce trees uh, just dying on us because of drought. So that's all because you had, when you first planted that plant, you put two emitters on either side of that plant. Now this thing's grown up for 10, 15 years. It's got a massive root structure, and those two emitters that used to be at the base of the trunk are doing zero good anymore. And so the those plants, really, they're searching out your flower beds and uh, the dry wash, or they're looking around the yard looking for moisture, and if they can't find it, it affects them. And so just kind of really protect things. I'm telling folks right now, protect those natives. Oh, I don't know if you've priced out what it costs to replace a tree, to have one taken out just by an arborist or, or just a guy with a chainsaw on a pickup truck. You can spend hundreds, if not thousands of dollars to replace, to take down, to, to clear out, let's see, a ponderosa pine or pinion pine, or, or, or just a tree that's out there. So really protect them. You don't really want to have to do that. So I'd say right now, too, if you're planting, you are in the peak of the planting season. It's a good time to plant. Uh, we just I was just unloading uh, yesterday a full semi of evergreen trees. Just we're, we're loaded up with trees. So privacy, that's part of the building boom that's going on. Uh, there, there's a lot of folks putting up houses, and they're pretty tight together. And so we know this is a, a privacy problem. So we're bringing in plants that can be planted to screen your neighbors out, either from a distance or up close. So we're loading up the garden center. And so it's a good time. They're growing fast right now. But if you're planting, make sure you're not just watering the plant. When you plant that new Deodore cedar, spruce, pine, fir, juniper, uh, red tip photinia, a new lilac, Whatever it is, a new rose, whatever that thing is, if when you're planting that, make sure before you put that plant in the ground, 
you're actually hydrating that surrounding soil. You really need to water the surrounding soil. If you simply put a plant in the ground, let's say a new deodor cedar, and then you backfill around that with the, with the mulch and you know, do all the things, plant it exactly right, and then you water it, just the plant, what will happen is that dry, crusty, drought-ridden soil around it acts like a sponge and it just wicks all that water right away from that roots. So literally within oh, the next day, that plant is bone dry. And so unless you hydrate the surrounding soil and create hydrate that sponge effect around that soil, it can actually help you keep that plant moist. What folks are doing right now is they're compensating by watering every day. Trees and shrubs, they don't want to be watered every day. They don't like that. They drowned. They get yellow leaves. The leaves start to curl. They'll, they'll shed some leaves. And so that's all indication that uh, it's, it's over watering. So don't compensate that way. Just saturate that surrounding soil and then water those brand new, the bigger rooted things, like a big uh, uh, honeysuckle vine or a big uh, new apple tree or, or aspen. Those things like to be watered, if they're brand new, maybe a couple times a week with a deep soak. Um, if you're in that heavy clay soil, let's say Prescott Valley, Paulden's, the Cordis Junctions, those, those real heavy, thick clay soils, they might only need to be watered one time a week. Watering every day is a guaranteed way to stress out a plant till it can die if you go too far on that. So water surrounding soil, Got a lot in store for you at this show. We're going deep into your garden questions with Lisa Waters Lane coming in right after this. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane, owner of Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Join him every week for timely garden advice right for the gardens. Visit Ken where he can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Look. If your mom, wife, or mother-to-be enjoys dead cut flowers and the peace that comes when dining with all those kids, then by all means, take her to your favorite buffet rather than some piece of plastic. But if she really loves her garden, a gift card from Waters makes perfect sense. In reality, you're giving her 90 minutes of peace and quiet while she shops for her own flowers. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, the place where people who love their gardening moms love to shop. Water's companion plants in May are Vining Akebia, Indian Hawthorn, Prescott Sunshine Geraniums, and Purple Robe Locusts. Incredible long clusters of purple flowers in May that look just like wisteria flowers hanging from this local bloomer. The 8-inch fragrant flowers cover the tree profusely. Super hardy and drought tolerant with a brisk growth rate of 2 feet in 1 year. It's just the perfect backyard shade tree. You'll find the shadiest trees here at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. You've been listening to Ken Lane, the Mountain Gardener. Green thumbs learned while working in the Family Garden Center. Now welcome back to the Mountain Gardener. And we are back with Lisa Waters Lane in the studio. She comes each week with her garden <laughs> questions. What is so funny? We're just sitting here. There. We do this. We've been doing this for decades. Anyway, uh, Lisa comes in and just shares your garden questions. Just what's going on. Now you got me giggling. My goodness. Uh, okay. So uh, happy Mother's Day. Belated. Oh, well, thank you. And it was yes. a good backyard barbecue, grilling, mm -hmm. time with family. Yeah. It was a great day. 
wonderful food. You did your magic grilling, and it was very good. So Lisa brought home an eight-pound <laughs> filet. I'd, I put it on the rotisserie tenderloin. So I put it... Um, Put on the rotisserie and it was magic. You get this herbal thing that you do. Oh my gosh, it was so good. Well, I do that for you because I know you love to be out in the backyard grilling. Yeah. And so the tenderloin like that takes a couple hours. Yeah, that's right. You do it slow. Yeah. So I figured that would give you all the time you need back there. <laughs> the guys loved it. Yes. So all the men were back there. Your dad actually got me aside at the very end. So we had a, so grilled, came into work in the morning. Went home at like two, put the powered up the grill. We had mm-hmm. family over at dinner for about four thirty or five, and then just stayed until everyone just decided to leave. Mm-hmm. And your dad's leaving. You know, Harold Waters, he's the founder of the Garden Center, and so he goes, Ken, you know how special this is. I'm going, what do you mean, Harold? Because well, having this much family together, this much family doesn't get together that often anymore. I'm going, Harold. You had a bunch of daughters, and I had a bunch of daughters, and I think daughters just naturally come together no matter what. Isn't that a blessing? So mm-hmm. we just enjoyed each other. So that's, that meant a lot. Yeah. That your dad, who's 80-something, 80, mm-hmm. 80-something. 80 80, yeah. Four? Three? Five? <laughs> 90? I have no idea. He's not 90. Once you get over, that. like, I don't know, 85, it's, you're Does all it the matter? same age. Yeah. yeah, it's all the same age. Anyway, we, we digress about yes. your Mother's Day. Happy Mother's fun. Day. Thank you very much. It was a pleasant do we have uh, garden questions? We that do we're have garden folks? questions. You bet. So Jack is looking for a very fast-growing tree. He has a neighbor building a house behind him. Of course, he wants to block him. Yeah. Uh, so he's looking for a fast-growing, easy-growing tree. So evergreen, I gather, or because he said yes, definitely evergreen and fast growing were the most gotcha. important. Okay, so those are easy. So I, was, I thought he's going to go down cottonwood, willow, sycamore. Yeah. Those are deciduous trees. They grow faster. The deciduous trees grow faster than evergreens, but then they lose their leaves in the winter, and you're left bare or unprivatized mm-hmm. for like five months. And so the fastest growing evergreens. Let's see if I can go down the list. It's probably. Deodore cedar, mm-hmm. Austrian pine. It's a pine tree. It looks like a, it's a long needle pine that looks like a ponderosa, only it holds its foliage right down to the ground. I would say Arizona cypress, mm-hmm. fast up to about 20, 25 feet tall. Uh, and then it would be spruce. I don't know. It's a whole bunch of other stuff that's not quite as fast, but they're methodical. So you mm-hmm. put like we, we used uh, Spartan junipers ourselves. Mm-hmm. They'd been in five, six, seven years, and they were planted small, and now they're easily 10, 12 feet tall, probably six, seven feet wide. Mm-hmm. We put it, we zigzagged them through the front yard, and it's just this big living wall. And so if you've got some time, you can do that. Another idea would be placing a great big, a big one, spending the money on a on a large specimen, put it right where the where the offense is, and put smaller ones on either side mm-hmm. so you have time to finally catch up. So you can have your, you can spread the landscape dollars out and, and get that. Of course, if money is no object, you can just go all big. Just go all big. We've got them all in. So they're, they're all available. So you can do that too. Okay. So a few things to choose from. Deodor cedar, Austrian pines, mm-hmm. Arizona cypress, Colorado spruce, and then everything else. Okay. All right. Next question is from Lori. She's looking for recommendations for plants to make a hedge 
that are rabbit and deer resistant. <laughs> That's a hard one for a hedge. Mm-hmm. So a short hedge, I don't know what size she wants her hedge, but boxwood's the number one seller. Boxwood is a low growing, maybe it gets up to about hip, maybe four, maybe five feet tall, something mm-hmm. like that. It's a good, strong, green, consistent, and nothing eats it. In the shade, the same thing would be like that. That'd be rhododendrons and azaleas. They can be hedged as well in more shaded areas. So I don't know if she's not giving me... Holly, isn't Holly? Holly's another one you could do with. That's another great, great choice. Mm -hmm. Out in the sun, uh, if you want a head high thing, you go with um, cotoneaster, Mm -hmm. red clusterberry cotoneaster, and silverberry. It's a native plant that grows wild here. They'll easily get up head high and you can't see through them. I'm sure there's some others I just can't think is, about. Is uh, Texas privet deer resistant? I can't remember. You know, it is. You just want to stay away from red tip photinia. Yeah. Everything eats on that, including Uomus. bugs and disease <laughs> and pestilence and deer and rabbits. Mm-hmm. So you want them, they'll eat on that. But they don't eat on the boxwoods. They don't eat on cotoneasters. Mm-hmm. They don't eat on silverberry. I'm sure there's a couple others you could play with, too. Okay. All right. Good recommendations. Go. Yeah. Just got to check them out and see what size and height and width you need and all that. Yeah. All right. Well, Lindsay's new to gardening. She now has a raised bed. Her husband built for her. Yay! She's you got there. a good husband. Keep him. Yeah. She's going to be putting her <laughs> veggies, tomatoes, pepper, blah, 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 blah. She came down and she got the 6447 fertilizer. Right. And she okay. also got the root and grow. Her question is, can she use those two together, or do you only use one or the other? Gotcha. And then also her second question is, how often is she probably going to need to be watering that bed? Gotcha. So so good, good, all good questions. So so for the listeners that are tuned in or are watching the vlog, um, so the, the 6447, so we made a fruit and vegetable food for the mountains of Arizona. It's unique for here, this higher elevation. And we know you're going to need calcium. And so the seven is 7% calcium, and that's what that is. So mm-hmm. it's granular, it's organic, pelletized, so you can sprinkle it on the soil, water it in, easier to use. And so it's made for vegetables, perfect. She did, she did good. Now, I'm usually gonna plant that, sprinkle that on top of the soil, and as you water or it rains, every time that water hits that, it'll release and get a little bit of food. And organics release very slowly over a long period of time. You're gonna water in with the root and grow. This is a transplant shock. It's basically a compost tea that we make here, here at Waters Garden Center. And it's great for transplant shock. The best houseplant food you've ever seen, the best cactus food you've ever had, because it's compost tea. Now, you can use those together, no problem. Uh, again, compost tea is more available right now. Mm-hmm. It's gonna stimulate root growth. You need that. And then the the uh, fruit and vegetable food is going to release over a, a good six, eight weeks. Okay. And then you're probably going to reapply every six to eight weeks. The plants will just stop growing all of a sudden. So you kind of go, oh, they're running out of juice. Uh, then as soon as you, you hit them again with that fruit and vegetable food, boom, it takes right off. Mm-hmm. How often to water is much, much trickier. <laughs> so probably right now we're watering every three days. Right. The vegetable flower gardens. Mm-hmm. We just heat it up this week. So maybe it'll go down to every 
two days. But in the peak, in another month, you know, in June, it's going to be 95, dry, prevailing southwest wind. You just got to get your plants to live through June. Just make it until the next, till the monsoons or the humidity goes back up with some shade cover. Uh, so just get them through June, and then and then usually the pressure throttles back on you. So you might have to water every day. And make sure you water in the morning. Really, you want to focus, whether this is a raised bed like she's got, or just in the ground, or, or we're in containers, wherever it is. It's very important to water flowers and vegetables, herbs, uh, in the morning. We're talking dawn. We're getting them hydrated before the heat of the day. I'd say... Have your irrigation all done by 8 o'clock in the morning, 9 at the latest. So plants are plumped up, juicy, hydrated before they go into the heat of the day. And then try, try, try to avoid watering late in the afternoon, evening. That's when all the disease and pestilence cap. That's when bugs, that's when a mildew takes over. That's when black spot, vertinillum wilt on tomatoes. That's when things happen, when plants are warm and wet and it's dark. Those are that's a trifecta for 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 doom. You don't <laughs> want that for your veg. Make sure they're dry going in the evening, plumped up and moist going into the heat, and you'll have more success. So, we are out of time, Lisa. Thanks hanging out in the studio with you, babe. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to Ken Lane, aka the Mountain Gardener. Ken can be found throughout the week in Prescott at Waters Garden Center. Listen each week as he answers timely garden questions unique to mountain gardens. Waters Garden companion plants in May are vining akebia, purple robe locust, prescott sunshine geraniums, and Indian hawthorn. Wind is no problem for this Indian hawthorn. Rose-colored flowers cover this spring bloomer that often repeat blooms in fall. Dark blue berries adorn this compact bush that takes the wind and soaks up the sun like a native. Perfect for low-maintenance gardens with virtually no pruning ever. Every backyard should have at least one and only found here at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Oh no, my pine trees look terrible. Never fear, Plant Protector is here. Plant Protector? From Waters Garden Center? My super strength protector destroys pine scale, bark beetle, and aphids. Just water into the soil and your trees are protected from the inside out for the year. Thank you, Plant Protector. You can always find Plant Protector at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Join the conversation every week as he answers timely garden questions. Email Ken a question directly from your phone to his desktop through the web at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Now welcome back your host, Ken Lane. So I have a huge shout out to the women in business of the Prescott Chamber of Commerce. They had a luncheon on, when was that? Wednesday of this week. And it just, it, it's the first time that we've been able to get together as business leaders, as community leaders. And this is focus on women in business. And I had the privilege of taking my two daughters, Mackenzie Lane and Caitlin Suspedis. She's my oldest daughter. She and her husband, Jeremy, both work here at the gardens. But I took both Kate and Mackenzie 
to this women in business luncheon. I got to introduce them. And um, we've been in the chamber for many decades. We believe in small business and helping each other. And that we don't have the resources that big business do, does. And we need to help each other and support each other. And so we go to get, we get together to help network and hear what's going on. And had a top-notch speaker there to, just so we could learn. But uh, thank you, ladies. That was super fun. Thank you for honoring me to, and my daughters. Just kind of, they're the next generation, the third generation. They're training to take over the family business and, and run it for the, for another 20, 30 years, I, I hope. I mean, these uh, small businesses that have been around for decades, they're not a business. We're a, it's a legacy. It's, it's community. It's, it's connections very deep in the community. And so to be able to, to share and basically gloat over your kids, uh, Kate, I think is they're in their late 20s, early 30s, both of them. I won't say their ages because I might embarrass one or the other. I don't know. Anyway, as a father, I shouldn't do that. Uh, so anyway, just uh, thank you, the Chamber of Commerce, and allowing the power women to get together and network and allowing a couple guys in there as well. That was fun. Uh, things to watch in the garden right now. Um, th- things are blooming like crazy. It's 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 been the best lilac here. Oh my goodness, that that you've seen in, in several years. It looks like it's going to be a good fruit year. So apples and pears are heavily, heavily fruited. Now those apples and pears allow them to ripen up. But what you'll want to do with really all of your fruiting plants, mainly your trees is as they ripen, like apples put on three to five clusters of fruits on on a branch. You don't want all five of those fruits to ripen. Really, you want to thin or or thumb prune those smaller fruits. As soon as you can see, maybe they're the size of a nickel, no more than a quarter. As soon as you can determine which one of the five is strongest, pick off all the other ones. Uh, Pears, you come in twos, threes, fours, they're just too many fruits for the root structure to support. So you need to thin off, I would say at least, really 40-50% of the fruit clusters, of those smaller fruits. And you want to do it while the fruits are still quite small. So the energy from that root can go up through the remaining fruits, and that's the way you get very large fruits. Secondly, like I mentioned at the opening of the show, uh, there is more pressure on those fruits for insects to eat. And so there's less fruit for them to go after because of the, this is drought driven. So they usually go after moisture. The, you've got more things to eat, so you get less. It just spreads those few bugs out over more trees, and so you don't see as much damage on fruits. This year, I predict, there's going to be a lot of damage unless you really protect things. There's less fruit trees. Some of them got damaged. Some of them died. And so the few remaining are going to see all those bugs will compress down onto those remaining fruits. So really spray them, take care of them, watch after them. So with apples and pears, I'd mentioned those, you really do want to hang a coddling moth trap in each individual tree. So they come in, and it's a little paper, paper square. It's got a pheromone in that they're attracted to. And so when they start to lay eggs on your fruits, that's that coddling moth worm that eats your fruit. That's the, what causes that damage to the fruit. They'll come lay eggs there. Well, they don't do it all at once or continually. They do it. Oh, they do do it all at once. So you want to know when they're basically procreating, 
on your tree, on your fruits. And so you hang a cuddly moth trap. It monitors, and you'll just, just it'll be empty for weeks. And all of a sudden, over like a one-week one period, it just fills up. I mean, the whole thing's covered. Where'd they all come from? That's when you know to spray them. There's an organic spray you can take after them and obliterate them. So you really want to be proactive on this. You don't just want to be you just just be nonchalant about this. Really go after things because the, the drought causes more damage quickly because of the lack of more. There's less things for things to eat. They're going after moisture. They're going after the food source. Anyway, same with your butterflies. Uh, now is a time to really put milkweed out there to help them to put coreopsis and uh, pintas. Uh, there's less flowers in nature that they can go that they can go eat from. So if you put any amount of flowers out there, you are going to get. They're all going to come to your back patio. They're all going to come into your yard. So hummingbirds, butterflies, monarchs, painted ladies, swallowtails, they're all going to be. So I'd encourage you if if you got kids at home. Oh. It's so easy to attract wildlife without a without a feeder or anything, just with a few key flowers. And we can help you isolate which ones are best. Pintas, we just came in this week. So pintas are a small annual flower, the best butterfly. They, do, they can't resist pintas. And so it comes in lots of colors. We can help you isolate and bring in more of those flittering, floating uh, garden creatures in your backyard. The Mountain Gardener, your source for timely garden advice right for higher elevations. Guaranteed to make a difference in your yard this season. Gardening and you don't know where to start? Waters In-Home Garden Service comes to you and identifies what you have and how to make it better. Design advice, water strategies, vegetable and flower gardens, soil and food needs, and problem solving. Always problem solving. You'll instantly be a better gardener. All for just $200 of expert time with a coupon to fill your garden dreams without ever leaving home. In-home garden consultations from Waters Garden Center. We can be at your home this week. Waters Garden companion plants in May are Indian Hawthorn, Purple Robe Locust, Prescott Sunshine Geraniums, and Vining Akebia. Akebia is a super vigorous vine with dangling fragrant flowers. She proliferates up arbors, pergolas, fences, and stunning as a ground cover to retain hills. One of the fastest growing evergreen vines you can plant in the gardens. You only find the hardiest vines at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. You're listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Mountain gardening is very rewarding with a few Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts sure to turn your thumbs even greener. Now welcome back to The Mountain Gardener. Right, so we are back with Lisa Waters Lane in the studio. She comes each week and just shares what's going on in her gardens. And so I think there's some value to that. And then and then you don't just have to listen to me drone on and on and on and on. But you drone so eloquently. <laughs> <laughs> Making the words dance across the airwaves for those that tune in by radio and by video, for those that tune in by video wave. <laughs> so anyway, welcome back to the studio. Thank you. So what's making yeah. you happy out in the gardens? Lots of things. So, You've been busy gardening, that's for sure. Yes. So every every week I kind of think about what 
What are we going to talk about? That's exciting. And That's what you do. I was going to talk about summer blooming shrubs, but I got distracted by this amazing <laughs> shipment of perennials that oh, we got in. Oh, good. Yeah. I mean, big, beautiful perennials. Yeah. So I have to talk about them instead. Hey, you know what? This is like magic or like Christmas for gardeners. <laughs> and as we get closer and closer to, to June... Mm perennials become bigger and bigger and bolder and they all go into bloom the month of june is perennial month right. really so and we're right there just just mm -hmm. like days away so yeah everything gets bigger the <laughs> shrubs get bigger the roses get bigger and yeah. the perennials those pl plants that come back every year mm -hmm. get bigger so yes we had some beautiful ones come in so i thought i would kind of hit on those for people who are looking for some amazing perennials, put it in their yard. And you're right, perennials come back every year, uh, bigger and better. And that's the great thing about them, is you're not replanting again and again and again. So, Once and done. Once and done. So we got some echinacea in, or cone flower. Finally, and they're I in know. bloom? Please tell me they're in bloom. Well, they're close. Ugh. They're close. But the plants are gorgeous, yeah. big and green and full, and they will be blooming in no time, as warm as we are. And, you know, gone are the days with just the purple echinacea. That yeah, used to be everybody had a purple, purple echinacea in their yard. But now they have so many different colors from the Cheyenne Spirit, which I think is probably my favorite because it has the yellow and the orange and the red all in the same plant so you're getting a variety of color so that's probably my favorite but we also have the powwow berry which is a pink color uh, adobe orange which is a really nice orange tomato soup i guess you can guess red color <laughs> tomato like campbell's red <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, we have butterfly julia we have lalani in so lots of nice different varieties to choose from um, more than just the plain old purple that you can put out there. I like purple. You do? Yeah. Okay. Well, we don't have purple. <laughs> <laughs> it's so yesterday. <laughs> We've got five, six, eight more different new ones. Yes. And coneflower is a great butterfly magnet. Uh, so great for those pollinators much. out in the yard and pretty animal resistant. Yeah, animals. And it does attract birds because mm -hmm. it's a seed source for a lot of your smaller winter mm -hmm. birds, especially. Right. Definitely. So you got to come get some of those. We also got several different varieties of lavender. Um, that they're ones that you just are not going to find everywhere. We got the big time blue, which is probably Ooh, one of the fun. bigger blue growing taller lavenders out there. We got phenomenal, which has a cold hardiness of some ridiculous That's like awesome. negative That's 20 good. or something. So it's a great one for our areas for our winters. Is that an English variety or what? How, why is it so hardy? I think it's English. Yeah, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. So that's it's English generally are the hardiest. They must right. have found something from North England or something that's crazy hardy. But it's a good one for here. And then my favorite is the Platinum Blonde, which is actually a variegated lavender. Oh, so it's kind of a yellow green on it with that same real pretty blue flower. And it actually has a pretty good hardiness as well. We have that one on the side patio. Mm -hmm. I planted it next to the stairs going from the top, yeah. from the driveway down. And I wanted the lighter color in our herb garden. So when people are leaving backyard barbecues or backyard parties in the evening, yeah. 
the lighting will pick up on that lighter, brighter foliage. And so it almost glows in the dark. If you had any amount of moonlight or, or light, mm-hmm. we've done that with the Santalina, right. other light-colored plants to help yeah. guide the path so people don't mm-hmm. stumble up to the driveway. Right. And speaking of that, so <laughs> reminded me. So we got some, it's called Fire in Ice um, Hosta. Oh, words escape me. <laughs> so fire and ice hosta, beautiful because it the white part of it, it's variegated, white yeah. and green, but the white part of it is so dramatic. It really, really shows up nicely. And I took those and I put them in front of a hookah we got. It's oh, called nice. Rio. So the Rio is like this, this red that just glows yeah. out there. Everybody walks by it and goes, oh, what is that? So I took that and then I put the fire and ice hosta in front of it. And it is such a nice look. Do you know what the number one perennial in the country is? I not not Prescott, Arizona. Do in tell. the country, hosta. hosta. Yeah, that's hosta. <laughs> yeah, mainly because the East Coast they tried right. the whole thing. But we sell quite a few hostas here for nice shade, shade. Spot. Yeah, they're they're great. Yeah. And the thing about the fire and ice one, which would be so nice in a shady spot, is that white is going to just really pop out there in yeah. the shade. So you gotta check those out. We also got some other hookahs, the lime hookara, a berry one, and they are big and beautiful. Nice. Oh my that's gosh. exciting. That's... I love June and perennials. It's great. <laughs> you know, another thing I noticed that's really uh, um, coming along with the heat, the uh, crepe myrtles and the mm-hmm. rose of Sharon's are going crazy. The chase tree going mm-hmm. crazy. These summer plants, they've been holding back. Right. They didn't want to grow. It was too cold. They were just whining about being so cold. Now it's finally warm. They're just taking off with new growth. It's yeah. just, they're in bloom yet, but they're just right there. But now's the time to get them well, because yeah. when you yeah. get them in your yard, get them acclimated, and you're going to get to enjoy the blooms instead of the nursery getting to enjoy That's the blooms. That's true. So it's yeah. a good time to put them out. Uh, we also got a Shasta Daisy in called Real Charmer. Oh, sounds so, pleasant. It's a real charmer. <laughs> it's kind of a, <laughs> it's a creamy yellow color. Oh, neat. That's so, unusual. Yeah, wow. Just a real pretty double kind of bloom on it. Yeah. Really creamy. It's very attractive out there. And then we got several of the upright flocks. So people have been asking for those and it's just been too early, but we got flame coral. We got Pink eye, which I thought, well, that's a stupid name. Terrible name. (laughs) What man chose that one? Who did that? Uh, But we have purple eye, and then we have flame red in the upright flocks. And we have not grown those in our yard, so I can't remember. Are they more shade sun? Sun. Full sun, sun, bright sun, knee high, nothing eats them. Mm -hmm. Hummingbirds love them, butterflies all over them. It's a great, hardy, tough. Flocks. Anytime okay. you see the word flocks, creeping flocks, tall mm-hmm. frock, flocks, 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 flocks. <laughs> it's a good plant for you. Flocks, flocks, flocks. Okay. And then Veronica's, which I know are full sun. Right. Another one that's a great animal resistant plant. Uh, we have moody blues. We have moody mauve. And we have blues pink. Those are pretty those. good names, I think. It's either names of bands or... I know. Flowers. I'm not <laughs> sure. Do they have an instrument they kind of take I up? Don't know. The... But the Veronica's nice has that real kind of spiky yeah. flower on there. Good continual bloomer. Yeah. Uh, so it's just some really nice. We got some more uh, Russian sage in. We got more catmint in. Which, if, if you need a good plant to draw bees into your garden areas, the catmint. Is yeah, the way it's to a go. great pollinator for for any of the wild wild 
pollinators out there, it's a great one. Mm -hmm. And animals don't eat that. So javelina, deer, rabbits, pack rats, whatever. They don't eat cat mint. They do not. They leave that sucker alone. Even cats don't eat cat mint. I don't know why they they call it cat mint. I don't know why they do that. It's not catnip. It's cat mint. It's different. It does kind of look a little similar. Sort of. It's more blue instead of green, but yeah. Maybe not. I don't know. We digress. (laughs) Some really nice succulents in, some... uh, Autumn joy sedum, some nice stone crops in, good color to them, good size to them. That's what I love about this crop that just came in is the size is spectacular on them. If you are going to plant perennials now through about July 4th, you will have your best selection. They'll be in full color. They're fully rooted, so they're 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 more robust. Mm-hmm. So typically have been a one-gallon plant, mm-hmm. sometimes two gallons. Uh, but the, the, the root ball is large enough where you got a lot of mistake factor. Right. You can plant them in containers, raised beds, in the ground, wherever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can truly make a cottage garden, a true full-on, mm-hmm. true garden mm-hmm. with perennials. And you really want to focus in on spring bloomers, then summer bloomers, then fall bloomers, even some winter evergreens. Yeah. Like I, I, one of your favorites this year is the rainbow ascot euphorbia. Yeah. Like you can't, you can't bring home any more euphorbia <laughs> or houseplants to the Lane Casa, or they'll be overrun. All right, Ken and Lisa Lane and the Mountain Gardeners. We'll be right back after this. Look for more tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts through Ken's website. Podcast the show, read his weekly garden column, or follow him on Facebook and Instagram at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Waters Garden Companion plants in May are Purple Robe Locusts, Vining Akevia, Prescott Sunshine Geraniums, and Easy Elegant Roses. Just plant these roses in a sunny spot and enjoy. We've married the beauty of long stem roses with the easy care of shrub roses for landscape color like no other plant in the backyard. Choose fragrant reds, radiant pinks, corals, vivacious yellows, and stately whites. Extremely fragrant and only found locally at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Welcome to the Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane. Gardening in the mountains is different. Listen to Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts guaranteed to make your gardens more beautiful than ever this year. Now for better advice that works locally, welcome your host, Ken Lane. So my roses went into bloom this week. I've got a a row of Cecil Bruner shrub roses actually they're kind of like climbers only i've let them go up to be about 10 feet tall and 10 feet wide they are magnificent covered i mean you can't see the foliage they're covered in flowers it's magnificent it's beautiful you just it's what what gardening's all about my shrub roses just opened up all the uh, all the roses are, are budding heavily or they are in full bloom this part of the country the mountains of arizona grows better roses than anywhere else in the country. And here's the reason why. So in the Midwest, you've got to cut those things back in the fall and insulate them or they freeze and die. We don't do that here. In the desert, you've got to cut them back in the fall and kind of protect them because they leaf out so early. They don't like the summer so much. It's so hot. here. We don't have heat here. We just kind of, we let them go through winter and then we trim them up in March and we fertilize them. They just start to bloom consistently. We don't have the black spot that the south has 
we just are so dry. We don't have that humidity causes black spot. We don't. We get a little bit of mildew, but not very much like the Midwest gets. So there, it's just rampant. I mean, if you don't treat your roses every two weeks with a, some sort of broad spectrum fungicide, they're going to get mildew and die. We don't do that. You know, we might spot treat every once in a while, but it's very rare. And so the high altitude sunshine and the dryness makes for easy, easy care of roses. There's basically four different kinds of roses. I thought I'd just explain those real quick. The number one seller, the one that, that your grandparents grew so many years ago, they've been the most popular, and they still are, are hybrid tea roses. These are long-stemmed roses. So it's one long cane, and you've got one huge flower, usually quite fragrant. Well, I guess it depends. Yeah, not all of them are fragrant. I'll explain what we do here. Most of ours are fragrant, uh, but, but not all of them. Sometimes they're so hybridized, the fragrance leaves the flower, but long stem roses are hybrid teas. Floribunda rose is the next most popular. That's where it's a long cane, and then on the end of that, it usually has one large flower and several other smaller flowers. It's like a, it's like a starburst or a firework of flowers at the end. It's not just one big one, but several flowers on the end of this long stem. That's Floribunda, both very easy to care for. Then you get into shrub roses. Shrub roses have no graft, so they're grown on their own rootstock, so they're super easy to grow. And so if they get killed back to the ground, they come right back just as they were before, whereas grafted roses, hybrid teas and Floribundas are typically grafted. We graft a this new variety onto a different type of rootstock, and we get these funky colors. The bright new introductions are typically hybrid teas or floribundas. Shrub roses don't do that. They're getting where shrub roses have almost as large a flower as a hybrid tea. Uh, they all, they, some of them have fragrance, like a floribunda. And so they're getting where they, they're creating these new shrub roses that are magnificent and much easier to grow. If you're brand new to roses, go with the shrub rose and then build your skills up from there. Then you have what's called um, carpet roses. These are low-growing roses, ground cover roses. Uh, again, they're typically like a shrub rose, only they're on their own rootstock, like, like a shrub rose, only they only grow knee-high maybe, and they spread out. They're great for in-between rocks, in-between boulders, and just spilling out with color. And all four of these so far, your hybrid teas, floribundas, shrubs, and carpets, these are typically all repeat blooming type of flowers. You kind of, they pull, they flush really big in spring. They'll take a little break, come back with another flush, take a break, come back with another set of flowers. They just pulsate flowers throughout the entire growing season. And that's what you really want in your landscape. Then you get into climbing roses. Climbing roses are big boys. That's like my Cecil Bruner rose. This thing is 10 foot. I mean, most other roses are maybe hip high, you know, knee, three, four feet, easy to maintain, great accent against the house or in a container out in the raised beds along the driveway. You don't do that with a climbing rose. Climbing roses, they go up buildings. They go over sheds. They go down fence lines. These are big climbing roses that are magnificent. And so typically, they've got a flower. Well, they can have different size flowers. I was thinking they were bigger like a hybrid tea, but really they can have small ones, big ones. There are all kinds of colors, lots to choose from. Most are repeat blooming. 
So they just keep pulsating flowers throughout the season, which is beautiful. And so how you use a climbing rose, like a barbed wire fence. I had a very long driveway coming down from the barn. And so barbed wire was there along the driveway. And I just was, was ugly. I wanted something pretty there. And so part of the fence, I grew grapes. The other part grew roses. And it was like this, welcome home. I'm so glad you're here, Master. Have some grapes. Pick some flowers. Take them to the kids. It was just welcoming. That's how I use. That's how you use climbing up a up a uh, uh, that dry cinder block wall that's along the house, and you got this kitchen window looking right into the you know block wall. That's the perfect place for a nice climbing rose. Gets up six, seven, eight. It'll go up that six foot fence and go up a little bit more, um, and it just be beautiful with with nice color. That's how you out an office window that's in that back bedroom against the look at the neighbor's woodpile or shed or their bedroom. Uh, that's a great place for a trellis and and a nice climbing type of rose. Then that's the five types of roses, basically. You can get into some really funky, weird things like English roses, uh, David Austin's. But really, the other one that's popular that you see often, tree roses. Tree roses are rather unusual because they'll have a double graft. In fact, we've got some that have triple grafts. They've got two pom-poms, a rose, then another graft, a tree growing in top, on top of the tree, a double pom-pom. They can get really funky and fun and interesting, very artistic. Tree roses are grafted at the, at, onto a special rootstock. We're getting rootstock that takes clay soils. So it's a preferred for us here in the mountains. So we're selecting the roots, graft that rose on there. And then we'll graft on top of this big trunk another type of the desired rose color that we want to see. So you have two grafts on there. Trees grow really well here, probably better than anywhere else in the country. Most other parts of the country, the tree rose will die out in the winter unless you do some crazy stuff to protect them. Here, we don't do that. We just don't get that. We don't get that cold. So it's so easy to care for. You'll trim it back because this tree, we've got some that are maybe three foot high and kind of head high. And so there's two different heights here, lots of colors. You'll let them grow. And they'll typically, you'll get a crown on them or a head or, or a, the top tree part. You'll let go three, four feet large. Then every March, you'll trim them back and get them back under control, fertilize them, they'll come right back into bloom. Here, here's another trivia thing. If, if you want your rose to bloom at a specific date, let's say for a wedding or backyard party or neighborhood gathering, you want your roses to be in full bloom. You take that date, back it off by 45 days. That's the secret, 45 days. If you prune back that rose, take all the roses off, take prune it back real hard, fertilize it heavily. You can almost count on it. 45 days later, it will be in full bloom. And so just like that, that's how we time. We just had 1,300 roses show up here at the garden center, at Waters Garden Center here in Prescott. And they were all, every one of them, in full bloom. And so we've sold hundreds, literally in just a week, hundreds of them. And the way we do that is we want this to be ready by the last week in April, uh, back it up by 45 degrees, prune them back, fertilize them, and they will come in, no matter how many we order, all of them will come in in full bloom. You can do the exact same thing in your yard. It's all about, and you're not using miracle Grow food, that kind of stuff. You're using actual real 
like rose food. In fact, if you're having bug issues right now, your roses are getting uh, um, black tips or curled leaves or, or crinkled leaves. You should really be fertilizing that with a rose food with systemic. There's a special food for, that, for roses that keeps the bugs out and, and nurtures and encourages a rose flowers. You, you re- almost need both if you're growing nice roses here in the mountains of Arizona. Rose food with systemic is your secret to cleaner, better, healthier roses. You're listening to local garden expert Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott, 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. If life is a bowl of cherries, why not make them the biggest, sweetest cherries ever? Waters Garden Center is super excited to introduce our new organic fruit and vegetable plant food. This fertilizer has the bonus of added calcium that gives fruit trees and veggies an extra boost to produce healthy, abundant crops. Feed your plants now to help them thrive and grow more fruits than ever in just $27 for a 20-pound bag. Save natural, organic, fruit and vegetable plant food only at Waters Garden Center. Look, if your mom, wife, or mother-to-be enjoys dead cut flowers and the peace that comes when dining with all those kids, then by all means, take her to your favorite buffet rather than some piece of plastic. But if she really loves her garden, a gift card from Waters makes perfect sense. In reality, you're giving her 90 minutes of peace and quiet while she shops for her own flowers. Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott, the place where people who love their gardening moms love to shop. You've tuned in to The Mountain Gardener with local garden expert, Ken Lane. Join him each week as he answers timely garden questions that are sure to make a difference in your gardens. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. So I worked all weekend last weekend at the Garden Center. Mother's Day weekend's kind of a peak. Between Mother's Day and Memorial Day is just... Garden centers are slammed in the mountains of Arizona. So we were we set a record day on, on Saturday. We've never seen that many customers, that much volume, that many plants going out. It was so much fun. Oh my gosh. A little crowd at the parking lot a couple times. That day I actually go out and direct traffic sometimes. People are going, What are you what are you doing out here? I'm going, I'm helping folks find parking spaces, but you own the place. I'm going, yeah, I'm making sure customers are happy. That's how you own a business that's been around for 59 years. You got to make sure you're watching registers. Lines don't go go too far. They're moving fast. You want to make sure people are able to park and be comfortable. Get in, make sure there's enough shopping carts and answer questions. And that's what we do. And so in between that, I'm going to be here all weekend. This weekend, Lisa, myself, uh, the four kids, the whole there'll be six family members working here, and a and a great staff. It's actually smarter than any of the family members. They're just tremendous. They're the ones that are growing the plants, that are placing the orders and making sure they come in right and help us manage that inventory in the plants. They just know stuff, and they're here helping folks. And so over the weekend, what I did last week, I'm going to do the same thing this week. I had a top 10 list, a top 10 plants. So if, you, if you're new to the area, please come in and visit. It's free. It's a two-page thing. I actually created it for our employees, but I find customers think it's the best thing ever because you come into a garden center and there's all these beautiful plants. You go, where do I, where do I even start? Oh, my gosh. There's too many perennials, too many annuals. What are fruit trees? Which, which shade trees? Which evergreens grow here? I need a flowering shrub that's knee-high. 
I created a list that's the top 10. By no means is it all 10. It's just the most popular plants that people grow here in the mountains of Arizona, within the Central Highlands area. So if people, we, we sell to folks from Seligman and Ash Fork all the way over to Sedona and Camp Verde, Cottonwood, and obviously the 69-quarter Cordis Junction, Dewey, Mayor, Prescott Valley, Ned Prescott, and all the way out to Baghdad, Hillside, Skull Valley, you know, everywhere. We were drawn. And so these are the plants that are most popular in this region. And so it's the top 10 fruit trees, top 10 evergreen trees, top 10 shade trees, top 10 knee-high shrubs that bloom, top 10 knee-high shrubs that are evergreen, top 10 head-high shrubs for screening, top 10 privacy screens. It's just top 10. It doesn't give you descriptions by any means. It just says, here's 10 plants, the botanical and the common, and here's what people are about. And then you go out and research where they're at. Uh, I'll be handing that out this weekend under the lower greenhouse. I, I try to answer the phone. Uh, it's It kind of gets hard sometimes, but I, I take the phone pressure off the crew, and then I just answer questions. And then I kind of quarterback, okay, it's, you're going to go that way. That's where the privacy things uh, uh, you know. You're going up to talk to Amy and Tree. She's my tree expert. Or Kevin over in Flowering Shrubs. And they're, they're taking that zone. And I just kind of guide people in the right direction. Hand out the top 10 list. They're free. I printed out about 60 of them or so here at the Garden Center. I'll be here Saturday, Sunday, uh, Sunday morning. And just helping folks know where to even start. It can get confusing sometimes. Really, you start down the driveway to the front door. Then you landscape the, the back patio where you're enjoying that, that vista, the, the, the privacy. Then you start blocking out neighbors so they can't see in the hot tub or eating on the back patio. Then you go out in the yard and that kind of stuff. So you always start with trees first. Then you go to shrubs. Then you accessorize with flowers. There's a process. It's methodical. There's a way to do it. So you don't want to take on the entire landscape at once. You want to take on sections. Do that sections. And so that's where it pays to... Take a, a camera phone or, or iPad, take a quick picture, and then come in and get ask for ideas. We can help you with that. So Ken and Lisa Lane, we're here at Waters Garden Center throughout the week. We love talking to fans of the show. We're here to help you in your backyard as well. If you want a more fruitful garden, increase success in your landscape that just feels better, then tune in every week to The Mountain Gardener. Years of tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts are guaranteed to make your gardens nicer than ever. Listen to this podcast or read Ken's weekly garden column by visiting watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Thanks for tuning in. I was raised in a nice house with my family. Now I'm out on my own and have my own apartment. I love my cute little place, but there's something I do miss. I miss my mom's garden in the backyard. It was so special because over the years I was growing up, I watched her give those flowers and plants such a personal, loving touch and so much color. I miss it so. Well, guess what? I just visited my local garden center and they gave me some great ideas. And now, because of them, when I look out my patio window, I see the beautiful planter they suggested, teeming with flowers, bright Arizona flowers. Looking at those flowers gives me such a nice feeling, and it's almost like being with mom in the backyard all over again. Want help with planting? It's all online at plant-something.org. Brought to you by the Arizona Nursery Association at plant-something.org. You'll love it too.
If you want a more fruitful garden, increase success in your landscape that just feels better, then tune in every week to The Mountain Gardener. Years of tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts are guaranteed to make your gardens nicer than ever. Listen to this podcast or read Ken's weekly garden column by visiting watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Thanks for tuning in.